Welcome to season two of the Stephanie Humphrey podcast. This season features our biblical teaching segment, Study With Me, where we read through portions of the Old and New Testament, and Sip and Say with Stephanie, where you hear Stephanie's perspective on social issues, world events, and whatever is on her mind. Join us on Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more on Thursdays at 10 p.m. Want to leave Stephanie a message? Go to our podcast on Anchor FM and click the message button, and you just might be featured on her podcast. Don't forget to like and share your favorite episodes. We look forward to engaging with you soon. Blessings. faithful God. I'm I'm telling you, even when we're not faithful, God is faithful. Even when we don't do everything we should do, God yet remains faithful. He is the kind of father, the kind of friend, the kind of um, God (laughs) that you want on your side. Let me just tell you whether things are good, whether things are bad, whether you're in trouble, you're not in trouble. God is the one that you want on your side. Hallelujah. And I honor the Lord tonight. I give him all the honor, all the praise, all the glory. I magnify the name of my God because he is so good and he is so worthy and he is so powerful and he is so awesome and extraordinary. He truly is God. Hallelujah. And he is God all by himself. (laughs) He don't need no help. Hear me when I say God does not need any help. And so I just, I praise my God. Every opportunity that I get, I'm going to praise the Lord. You know, wherever I, whether I'm at home, in my car, at the grocery store, at the retail store, wherever I am, I'm going to give God praise because he's worthy. Because like I'm telling y'all, it could have been another way. <laughs> the, the song says, God, it could have been another way. Jesus want me this morning with a touch of his love. It could have been another way. I could be destitute. I could be homeless. I could be without food, without clothes, without family. But I'm not. I have shelter. I have food to eat. I have clothes on my back and shoes. And I have a family who loves me and cares for me and supports me. And I thank God for that. I appreciate God for that. I give all honor and glory to God for that. Amen. Amen. So y'all, you probably can hear it in my voice. I am tired. Well, let me let me backtrack. I feel my body feels good. Like I feel energized. I feel good in my body. But I think my mind is just I'm weary in my mind or I'm just exhausted in my mind. I have meetings, y'all, all day today at work. And when I didn't have meetings, I was trying to do some of my own work. And it was a lot going on today, just uh, in trying to do two jobs in one, which I'm fine. Like, we have to support each other, and I'm okay with that. But it was tough, and it's been like that all week, most of the week. I'll say most of the week. I did have, have a reprieve yesterday, but so mentally, I am weary, and my voice is reflective of probably how I'm feeling. Because like I said, my body feels good. I feel so good. I'm so thankful. I'm so blessed. But... I just need to go and and just let my mind rest, you know, 
And so, um, how are you doing? That's how I'm doing tonight. How are you doing tonight? How are you doing physically? How are you doing mentally? How are you doing emotionally? How are you doing socially? How are you doing, um, what did I miss, spiritually? How are you doing tonight? Hallelujah. Y'all type it in the chat. Tell me how you're feeling tonight. If you're listening to the rebroadcast, add it to the comment section. Let me know how you're feeling. You know, there's so many um, areas that we can touch when it comes to how are you feeling or how are you doing? Well, how am I doing? You know, you've heard me say this. How am I doing in my marriage? How am I doing in my job? Like, which part of how am I doing do you want to know about? Because let me sit you down and tell you. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. But God is awesome. Like I said, he's awesome. He's amazing. And I tell you, I'm not going to let not one rock cry out for me. I'm going to give my God some praise. Amen. Whether I'm feeling tired, whether I'm feeling weary, whether I'm feeling excited, whether I'm ready to praise God, I'm going to give him praise regardless. Even if I, like the song said, if I can't say a word, I can wave my hand. Praise God. I can praise the Lord with the hand waving. Amen. Amen. I, because I'm feeling a little weary, um, maybe even emotionally, but my eyes is feeling weary. Like I probably could go to bed right now and just zonk out like immediately. So my eyes are feeling a little weary. So I'm going to get my glasses on tonight. So we are going to, we are, y'all, y'all know what? This is supposed to be New Testament teaching tonight. Y'all, I'm back in Genesis. We just going to do Old Testament. I'm so sorry, y'all. I was like, oh, and I knew this was a second Thursday, but I still got my Old Testament teaching ready. Y'all, I guess I was just ready to talk some more about Abraham and his family. So let me apologize by saying tonight is going to be another Old Testament biblical teaching instead of the New Testament that I promised you last week. And instead of the New Testament that it normally is, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm like I said, I was just stuck on this Old Testament teaching. And so we're just going to continue with what I have. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we back in Genesis tonight. So we're going to um, read chapter 24, chapter 25 and chapter 26. I'm going to read chapter 24 in its entirety. And then I'll pull out some of 24. I mean, excuse me, some of 25 and 26 for us to discuss. Amen. Amen. Abraham, so Genesis chapter 26, excuse me, chapter 24, and then we'll get to 26. Um, I'm reading in the New Living Translation because y'all know what I'm going to say. It reads like a story. I like the way it reads. So that is where we are. Abraham was now a very old man, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. One day, Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, that was Eleazar, take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of those, one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. I want to push pause in this for just a moment, because we know that um, Abraham um, arranged a marriage for his son Isaac, for his promised 
son Isaac, he arranged a marriage for his promised son Isaac. Y'all excuse me a minute. I'm, I feel like I'm a little sideways here. So give me just a second. Let me see if I can correct this. All right. That wasn't any better, but it's all good. Okay. Um. Sorry about that, y'all. So, yeah, so he arranged a marriage. So I want to ask y'all this. So we don't have arranged marriages in America. I'm not sure if there, well, there are arranged marriages in other countries. I can't tell you what countries those are because I haven't looked them up. I haven't done any research. Would you arrange a marriage for your child? Like, how do you all feel about arranging a marriage for your child? Like, is that something you think would be beneficial for children today for their parents to choose the spouse that they feel is best for their child? Or do you like things how they are where you let your son and let your daughter choose who they feel is best for them to marry? Like, how are, how are y'all feeling about that? I don't have any kids, so, you know, I don't have a stake in it. But I'm just curious to know, what you think about it now if truth be told i wish i could have a, a choose some 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 family member marriages <laughs> that would you know you know you know but but i guess my thought is adult let adults make their own decisions because they are the ones that will have to live with those decisions whether they're, it's a great decision a good decision, a horrible decision, whatever, um, that person gets to choose for themselves and they live with that decision. But I'm just kind of curious, do you think marriages would be better off if parents chose or do y'all just want y'all kids to choose for themselves, you know, so they won't be blaming you if it don't go wrong? I'm just curious. Let me know what y'all think. Add it to the chat what y'all think about that. So during biblical times, arranged marriages happened often. So Abraham has asked his servant, his head servant, the head of his household, his oldest servant, to go to the land of his um, ancestors, go to Haran, and find me a wife for my for my son Isaac. Find a wife, not for, find a me wife, but find a wife for my son Isaac. I don't want him marrying these Canaanite women because they um, serve idols, and I want my son to have a wife that serves the true and living God. So this is the task that Abraham gave to his servant. And let's see what his servant's reply is. The servant asked, but what if I can't find a young woman who is willing to travel so far from home? Should I then take Isaac there to live among your relatives in the land you came from? No, Abraham responded. Be careful, never to take my son there. For the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and my native land, solemnly promised to give this land to my descendants. In other words, I'm not I'm not running away from, I'm not moving away from the promise that God has spoken to me. I like that. That's good. That was good, Abraham. He will send his angel ahead of you and he will see to it that you find a wife there for my son. If she is unwilling to come back with you, then you are free from this oath of mine. But under no circumstances, uh, Abraham made it very clear. Don't you ever, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever take my son to our homeland because God's promise is not there. God's not, promise is not in the past. God's promise is not in my homeland. God's promise is right here where we are dwelling. So this is where I need my son to stay. Say right here. 
smack dab in the middle of the promise that God has spoken to us. So uh, Abraham reemphasizes in verse eight, but under no circumstances are you to take my son there. So the servant took an oath, verse nine, by putting his hand under the thigh of his master, Abraham, he swore to follow Abraham's instructions. I do not know the significance of the thigh, the hand under the thigh. To me, it's very similar to like making a pinky promise or shaking hands when you make a vow with someone or signing a kind was just as good as signing a contract, which we do now for business deals, purchase a home, purchase a car. You know, we sign a contract in order to do those things. So this hand under the thigh was just as binding or um, yeah, just as binding as, you know, a contract, she's signing a contract. But Abraham gave him a, a um, an out. He said, if you are unable to find my son a wife amongst my family, then you are free from this oath. So the servant did have an out. So verse nine, so the servant took an oath. Oh, I already read that. Verse 10, then he loaded 10 of Abraham's camels with all kinds, 10 camels, y'all, with all kinds of expensive gifts from his master. And he traveled to distant Aram Naharim. There he went to the town where Abraham's brother Nahor had settled. He made the camels kneel beside a well just outside the town. It was evening and the women were coming out to draw water. So it is important for us to know, and we know most of the whales were on the outskirts of the of the town. And most of the women, young girls, the women drew water. They came, sometimes they walked miles to get to the whales that were located on the outskirts of town to draw water for the family, for feed, for um, feeding. I was about to say, well, feeding, the, feeding their animals, but for cooking, for them washing feet, taking baths, staying clean. You know, they drew water for those purposes. But again, they had to walk a certain distance with a, a, a jug of water, y'all, a vessel of water and take that water back. That's why you often see them resting that vessel on their head because once you, y'all know how heavy a container can be when it gets full of water. And so this is where the women, he came just in time. <laughs> he was there just in time when the women were drawing water from the well. Verse 12, O Lord God of my master Abraham, he prayed, please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master Abraham. See, I am standing here beside this spring and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. This is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says, yes, have a drink, and I will water your camels too. Let her be the one you have selected as Isaac's wife. I love that Eleazar was very specific and asking God to give him directions about who Isaac's wife was to be. He said, God, this is how I would like for you to show me who Isaac's wife is. When I ask for water, if, if she gives me water and asks for water for the camels too, then she is the one. He was very specific. And I would encourage us when we are praying, 
When we are asking God to do whatever, perform miracles for us, do whatever, be as specific as absolutely possible. Here, all right, be specific and God will answer specifically according to his will. Verse 15, before he had finished praying, he saw a young woman named Rebecca coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. She was a daughter of Bethuel, who was the son of Abraham's brother, Nahor, and his wife, Milcah. Rebecca was very beautiful and old enough to be married, but she was still a virgin. I, I don't know. I don't know why that necessarily mattered and why there is a but here, but okay, it's all good. It's the Bible. She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up again. Because I don't know if she wasn't a virgin, did that make her less likely to be Isaac's wife? I don't know, child. We're just going to read what the Bible says. So, verse 20, so she quickly emptied her, oh, wait, I, I went down too far, went down too far. Verse 17, she went down to the spring for her jet and came up again. Okay, let me read the, the bottom part of verse 16. She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up again. Verse 17, running over to her, the servant said, please give me a little drink of water from your jug. Yes, my Lord, she answered have a drink. And he quickly lowered his jug from her, excuse me, and she quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and gave him a drink. When she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too, until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jug into the watering trough and ran back to the well to draw water for all, for all his camels. 21. The servant watched her in silence, wondering whether or not the Lord had given him success in his mission. Now, when I read this, I, I thought about, wait a minute, wait a, wait a minute, Eleazar. You asked God to give you this sign. You said, God, the woman who asked me the woman who gives me a drink when I ask her and who also offers water to my camel, let her be the one. So we have Rebecca giving Eleazar, Abraham's servant, a drink when he asks and also saying, let me feed your, let me water your camels too. And then uh, Eleazar comes back and says, well, God, God, is she the one? And I'm seeing here thinking, well, didn't God specifically have her to do what you asked <laughs> like she she did exactly what you asked god for her to do who would be called to be isaac's wife who god had chosen to be his wife she did exactly what you asked and you're still questioning that was my first impression but I understand how we could be because, but I understand. So that was my first impression. But then I thought about Eleazar. He really wanted to make sure that he was honoring the oath that he made to Abraham. He wanted to get this thing right. He wanted to make sure that he brought back the right wife for his servant, Abraham's son, Isaac. He wanted to get this thing right. And so I have to respect Eleazar for that, for wanting to get it right, for wanting to make sure that this is a wife, God, this is a wife that you have chosen for Isaac 
or this is a wife that you have chosen for Isaac, okay? So I have to respect him and appreciate. He just wanted to be sure. Sometimes we just, you know, we don't necessarily need a confirmation, but sometimes we just want one. It just is what it is. And our human nature, when God calls us to do something, sometimes we just want a confirmation that this is what God called you to do. You don't need it because once God speaks, his word, God's word is the greatest word that you will ever get. His word trumps every other word that you have ever heard. Okay. So when God speaks, trust God's voice, trust God's word. Yes, sometimes God will provide a confirmation and sometimes God won't provide a confirmation because God wants you to trust him all on your own, okay? So in this case, Eleazar was, was really questioning, not questioning, but asking for a confirmation, okay? So verse 22, then at last when the camels had finished drinking, he took out a gold ring for her nose and two large gold bracelets for her wrist. You know, when I read this, this reminded me of some of the women in Africa who wear like nose rings and who wear bracelets and, and um, different types of jewelry on their body. It put me in the mind of that, that Part of the those 10 camel that Eleazar brought with him, they were loaded with gifts. So in order to honor Rebecca and appreciate her for her kindness and for her servant's heart, Eleazar gifted her with a nose ring and bracelets. So y'all don't be getting mad when y'all see the young people with their nose rings. I'm just saying what I'm saying. <laughs> don't get mad when you see the nose rings. Because we have some nose rings happening in the Bible as well. Amen. You don't have to say amen. I will amen myself. I don't need your confirmation. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> All right. So Eliezer gifted her with jewelry for her kindness and for her servant's heart. Verse 23. Whose daughter are you? He asked. And please tell me, would your father have any room to put us up for the night? I am the daughter of Bethuel. She replied, my grandparents are Nahor and Milcah. Remember, this is Abraham's brother's um, brother's daughter. So it's his uh, niece, really. You see what it is. Yes, we have plenty of straw and feed for the camels. And we have room for guests. Let me, let me back. Let me backtrack that. Bethuel is, is uh, Abraham's nephew. Nahor is Abraham's brother. Bethuel is Nahor's son. So this is Abraham's nephew. I got, I got that twisted up a little bit there. Um, so, uh, so essentially, Rebecca is his great niece. So I, I did get that right with the great niece. All right. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So verse 25, yes. We have plenty of straw and feed for the camels, and we have room for guests. The man bowed low and worshiped the Lord. Praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, he said. The Lord has shown unfailing love and faithfulness to my master, for he has led me straight to my master's relatives. So uh, I'm going to stop right here because... Like I know in today's time, we have laws against incest and inter-family like inter marriages. 
But during biblical times, this was very common for like cousins to be married or for, yeah, for cousins to be married because um, Isaac and Rebecca were cousins. It was common practice for this to happen. And even think about when Abraham, I mean, when um, Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and they were cast out and they had kids. Well, in order for them to be fruitful and multiply, their kids had to come together in order for more um, people to be produced on the earth. So it was just common. I'm not going to say common practice, but it was, I guess, common practice. It's okay for me to say that. It just, you know, was common practice for this to happen. And then we have to understand during biblical times, there were, there was a lot of idolatry. There was a lot of um, image worshiping during this time. And in the case of Abraham, as I'm sure many other biblical patriarchs, they wanted their sons and their daughters to stay faithful to God, to Jehovah God, to God the Father, to God, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, as Abraham found God to be. And so those um, individuals, those potential spouses for their sons and daughters had to be God followers. And the God followers were the Jewish people and the Jewish people were family. <laughs> so it was what it was, you know, it just was what it was. There there was no um, regulations, you know, during biblical times about inter-family marriages, um, because again, we wanted to say true and faithful to God. So the Jews were those who, you know, intermarried. And in this case with Abraham, he wanted his son, he wanted Isaac to have a family member to marry him wanted to keep it all in the family. Now, I'm not saying that should happen in today's time because, again, there are laws against incest, um, and rightfully so, you know, rightfully so. Um, and I don't want to marry a family member anyway, like that's just nasty. I mean, you know, it's just not, no, <laughs> to me, it's just not right, you know, it just. It would seem to be vulgar, you know, in today's time, whereas in biblical times, it was quite natural um, to do. So anyway, you know, it, it was fine. I'm not mad. It just was, you know, what it was during biblical times. So, um, so Rebecca, verse 28, the young woman who is Rebecca ran home to tell her father everything that had happened. Now, Rebecca had a brother named Laban. We're going to read about Laban a little bit later in Genesis. But Laban ran out to meet the man at the spring. He had seen the nose ring and the bracelets of his sister on his sister's wrist and had heard Rebecca tell what the man had said. So he rushed out to the spring where the man was still standing beside his camel. Laban said to him, come and stay with us, you who are blessed by the Lord. Why are you standing here outside the town when I have room all ready for you and a place prepared for your camels? See, it used to be a time where you could invite people into your home and they could come into your home, they would stay, they would eat with your family, stay with you, and things would be peaceful. 
There was a time such as that. I remember my granddaddy telling stories about his dad uh, would have people coming into the house, you know, staying with them, working the fields with them. Um, they would stay maybe days at a time, weeks at a time. They would come, stay with them, eat with them, work with them, and then they would be on their way. He talked about how his granddaddy, granddaddy, uh, great-granddaddy Edgar would invite people into the house, and it was fine. You know, his, his daddy had some standards. Now, you had to kind of follow the rules of the house, but he welcomed people in, and it used to be a time where you could do that. You can still do that now. I think you have to be more, care you know, you have to be more discerning and careful who you let into your house because there are people who come to, um, to take, to steal, to plunder. And so in today's time, you do have to be careful who you invite into your house, even who you invite to share a meal with your family because you, there are predators, there are sex slave traffickers, there are child molesters. Like you just have to be very careful who you allow to interact with your family in today's time, okay? But I believe it's still possible. I believe it is still possible for us to invite people into our home, share a meal with them, give them some lodging so that they will be um, comforted, so that they will be taken care of. And then the next day, you know, they be on their way, okay? So I believe that it's still possible in today's time. We just have to be discerning and careful. All right, so verse 32, so they happily welcomed, Laban happily welcomed um, uh, Eleazar into his home, into their home, into the family home, and he welcomed the camel to to be to settle wherever in the stables or wherever to settle wherever they were. And y mind y'all, y'all, Eleazar had tea and camel. Y'all know camel are large animals. They are tall. They are wide. They are large animals. So for them to have space for the camels, I'm, I'm thinking they they had some 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 acres of land and they had some you know some buildings, some areas where they could house all these camel plus still have their own livestock. You know, so I'm pretty sure they they own some land there in order to accommodate Eleazar. All right. So verse twenty. Let me see, verse 32, actually. So the man went home with Laban, and Laban unloaded the camels, gave him straw for their bedding, fed them, and provided water for the man and the camel drivers to wash their feet. The Bible doesn't say how many people were with Eleazar. We don't know if it was like, there could have been at least 10 that were with him to man the, uh, man the camels, you know, to guide the camels and make sure that they didn't run into each other or wander off. So it could have been at least 10 individuals with Eleazar. And so again, Laban and his family, Rebecca and her family had space to accommodate Eleazar and the party, his camel and the party that came with him. Okay. Um, verse 33. Then food was served, but Abraham's servant said, I don't want to eat until I have told you why I have come. All right, Laban said, tell us. I am Abraham's servant, he explained, and the Lord has greatly blessed my master. He has become a wealthy man. The Lord has given him flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, a fortune in silver and gold, and many male and female servants and camels and donkeys. When Sarah, my master's wife, was very old, she gave birth to my master's son, and my master has given him, wait, yeah, everything he owns, has given him everything he owns. 
And my master made me take an oath. He said, do not allow my son to marry one of these Canaanite women. Go instead to my father's house, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son. But I said to my master, what if I can't find a young woman who is willing to go back with me? He responded, the Lord in, his, in whose presence I have lived will send his angel with you and will make your mission successful. Amen. And it's nothing like praying and asking God for guidance and direction. And he sends his angels before us. He sent his angels to prepare the way. He sends his angels to get things right. He sent his angels to, to look fight the enemy that will try to hinder us. I love that God sent his angels ahead of Eleazar and God is still doing that for us today. He is sending his angels ahead of us. Hallelujah. Glory. I love that. Thank you, God. Thank you. All right. So verse 44, verse, um, let me see where I, where I left off. I got happy. Verse 39. But I said to my master, what if I can't? Let me make sure. Let me make sure. Yes. Verse 39. But I said to my master, what if I can't find a young woman who is willing to go back with me? He responded, the Lord. Oh, I just read that one. So let me go to verse to the second part of verse 40. Yes, you must find a wife for my son from among my relatives, from my from my father's family. Verse 41, then you will have fulfilled your obligation. But if you go to my relatives and they refuse to let her go with you, you will be free from my oath. So today, when I came to the spring, I prayed this prayer. And verse 43 and 44 goes into the prayer. I'm going to go on down to verse 45. Before I had finished praying in my heart, I saw Rebecca coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew water. So I said to her, please give me a drink. She quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and said, yes, ha yes, have a drink and I will water your camels too. So I drank and then she watered the camels. And then verse 47, he asked his daughter, she, well, she said, Bethy, oh, we read that a little bit later. Um, verse 48, he bowed down um, to worship God for giving him, for answering his prayer. Uh, verse 49, so tell me, Will you, he's speaking to uh, Rebecca now, will you or won't you, oh, let me, let me backtrack to 48, because let me read verse 48. Verse 48 says, then I bowed low and worshiped the Lord. I praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, because he has led me straight to my master's niece to be his son's wife. Verse 49 so tell me, will you or won't you show unfailing love and faithfulness to my master? Please tell me yes or no, and then I'll know what to do next. Then Laban said, excuse me, then Laban and Bethuel replied, the Lord has obviously brought you here, so there is nothing we can say. Here is Rebecca. Take her and go. Yes. Let her be the wife of your master's son as the Lord has directed. When Abraham's servant heard their answer, he bowed to the ground and worshiped the Lord. Then he brought out silver and gold jewelry and clothing and presented them to Rebekah. He also gave expensive presents to her brother and mother. 
Then they ate their meal, and the servant and the men with him stayed there overnight. But early the next morning, Abraham's servant said, Send me back to my master. But he, but we want Rebecca to stay with us at least 10 days, her brother and mother said. Then she can go. But, Eliezer said, but he said, don't delay me. The Lord has made my mission successful. Now send me back so I can return to my master. Well, they said, we'll call Rebecca and ask her what she thinks. I was wondering when they were going to involve Rebecca because y'all making decisions for her. I was wondering when they're going to call her in, right? So they call Rebecca in, verse 58. So they call Rebecca. Are you willing to go with this man? They asked her and she replied, yes, I will go. I love the respect of Eleazar because he recognized that once he entered into the house of Bethuel, Bethuel, I don't know how to pronounce his name, y'all. Y'all Bible scholars, let me know how to properly pronounce um, Bethuel's name. But this is Rebecca's father, and he understood that once he came into Bethuel's house, that he would be subject or under his guidance or under his leadership. That's just like when somebody comes to your house, they are then subject to whatever guidelines, whatever rules that you have established for your house, they are subject to those guidelines. I can tell y'all some stories, but I'm not. <laughs> so I'm very, I think I'm very anal when it comes to being in my house and the in my rules. Like you cannot eat anywhere in my house except for the kitchen. Have I had to get family members for eating in my bedrooms? Yes, ma'am. And yes, sir, I have. And I'm like, I wish you would come back in my house eating or drinking in my bedroom because I don't allow that in this house. The kitchen there is plenty of space in the kitchen. And even if there weren't, you're going to eat and drink in the kitchen. Don't come to my house eating and drinking in my bedroom or the bathroom or my living room. Don't do that. My guidelines, you eat in the kitchen. So that's what you're going to do when you come up over up in here. Now, you have your own guidelines, your own rules for your house. And again, when people come to your house, they're subject to your house. And but if they want to change the rules of your house, not change the rules of your house, but if they... Yeah, I guess I, if they have a different thought about your rules, then they can ask you or get permission from you to maybe change the rules or adjust the rules or whatever the case may be. Um, it was so interesting when I had the Father's Day for my granddaddy and the other men in my family um, in June last month. And so when, you know, the men were sitting outside while me and the, me and my cousins and my sister, my cousin and my sister, we were finishing up in the kitchen. And so when I called them, I said, y'all go ahead and come in, you know, everything's ready. Come on, wash your hands and everything. So they started heading to the bathroom and I was like, well, you know, y'all can wash your hands at the sea. It's okay. I know in grandma's house, you better not. <laughs> <laughs> wash your hands at her kitchen sink. Take your hind parts to the bathroom because that's where you wash your hands in Sis May house. You don't. You better not turn that water on and try to wash your hands at her kitchen sink or you're going to get snatched. 
you go in the bathroom. So when they came in, you know, a couple of my uncles did go to the kitchen sink and the rest of them went. My granddaddy was like, no. He was like, uh-uh. In May's house, this is what we did. So I'm headed to the bathroom. He kind of chuckled at himself. And so, you know, they it was a split. It was split, you know, in my house. You can wash your hands at the sink. I got paper towels. I got the soap ready. I got a hand towel over there. It's all good. But um, but I think they there weren't any other things that were happening. Yep. So there were no suspension of the rules or adjustments. But Sometimes, you know, you might make adjustments based on who's at your house or what their needs are. So, oop, let me tell y'all this. Did I, was that for, oh, I did make an exception. Now, I was going to make an exception for my granddaddy. So, granddaddy had come, this was in 2021, I believe. My family had come up and granddaddy wanted some coffee. So, granddaddy was sitting in the living room in my recliner. He wanted some coffee. Y'all know what I did? I took that coffee in my living room where you're not supposed to be drinking, and I took it in next to my granddaddy. Yes, I did. I got a tray, put his coffee cup there, put some um, some sugar or cream or whatever else I put on his tray, and I took his tray to him in the living room sitting on my recliner, and that's where he had his coffee. So did I make an exception for my granddaddy? I sure did, and I will do it again because that's my granddaddy. He 93. He was 92 at the time. And if he said, if he would have been like, well, Stephanie, I'm ready to eat. If he wanted to eat in the living room, I would have been like, fine, because that's my granddaddy, you know? But, um, but, um, but yeah, so yeah, so sometimes, you know, we may adjust the rules. But again, when you come, I know that was a long explanation, right? Woo! Well, you come in somebody else's house, you better follow their rules, because if you don't follow their rules, they have the potential to kick you out or ask you, don't come back to my house, right? I'm just saying, so I love that Eliezer, Abraham's servant, asked him, he asked them, you know, can it's time for me to leave. Can you send me on my way? So he essentially asked for permission to be released from their presence so that he can go back to Abraham. And I love that. Like, I love the respect that he showed to Bethel's house. And initially, um, Milka and Laban were like, well, we want, you know, you can go, but we want um, Rebecca to stay with us. But Eliezer was like, no, we need to, like, she needs to come with me, you know. So they called Rebecca in. They asked Rebecca, did she want to go? And Rebecca said yes. And so they are, when we get to the next verse, they're going to be on their way. All right. So um, we get to this in verse 59. So they said goodbye to Rebecca and sent her away with Abraham's servant and his men. The women, the, the woman who had been Rebecca's childhood nurse went along with her. They gave her this blessing as she departed. Excuse me, not as she departed, but as she parted. Our sister, may you become the mother of many millions. May your descendants be strong and conquer the cities of their enemies. I love that they sent Rebecca out with a blessing. Her brother, her mother, her family sent her out with a blessing. Y'all, when your children go out of the house, if you can, send them out with a blessing. Pray over them before they go to school. Pray with them before they go to school if you can. If they're going to somebody's house like to spend the night for like a, a birthday weekend or a sleepover or whatever, pray over them. Bless them. Pray with them before they go. Pray God's protection over them 
and pray that God will will help them to to act right, to follow the rules of that particular house, and that no harm will come, you know, to them. Um, when they go off to college, y'all, pray, before you send your child to college, pray over them, pray with them, walk around them, walk this dorm room, walk around the campus, walk around the dormitory, like pray, like release the prayers of God, the blessings of God over your children. Every opportunity you get to pray with your children and release blessings over your children, do it, y'all. Those blessings will go with them. Those prayers will go with them. Even when they get off on their own, trying to do their own thing, if you have taught them the way of the Lord and you pray the blessings of the Lord over them, pray with them and the blessings of the Lord over them, they will return. They are eventually going to come back. Hallelujah. They are those that those roots that those roots of God's word, that foundation of God that you have placed within them, it's gonna come back. It's gonna come back. It's gonna come back. All right. Um, so verse 62. So they blessed and you know, Rebecca, they sent her on way. I'm pretty sure her mama was probably crying, her daddy may have been crying. Like they, you know, I don't know how old Rebecca was. I didn't look up how old she was. Um but, you know, she had been with them all their lives. Now she about to go mat, like hundreds of miles away to be with a new family. Yes, it was their brother's um, their brother's family. But still, you know, they were releasing their daughter to go as spare of a moment. Like they didn't have a day to prepare. They didn't have 24 hours, like 48 hours. They didn't have a week. You know, they didn't have any time to prepare. It was just like, I'm not to leave. I want Rebecca to come with me. Let's go. And so she left. And so she was willing to go. She was willing to obey God and go with Beth, uh, go with Eleazar so that she could be Isaac's wife. All right, verse 62. Meanwhile, oh, let me go to verse 61. Then Rebecca and her servant girls mounted the camels. I don't remember how many young women went with, or I, I'm not, I don't know how many young women went with um went with Rebecca. But uh, she had her childhood nurse, and I'm pretty sure her servants, you know, since the Bible says her servant girls with an S, mounted the camels and followed the men. So Abraham's servant took Rebecca and went on his way. Meanwhile, Isaac was home. Isaac, who was home in the Negev, had returned from Bear Leheiro. One evening, as he was walking and meditating in the fields, he looked up and saw the camels coming. When Rebecca looked up and saw Isaac, she quickly dismounted her camel. Who is that man walking through the fields to meet us? She asked. I guess Isaac called her. She was like, who he? (laughs) And he replied, it is my master. So Rebecca covered her face with her veil. Then the servant told Isaac everything he had done. And Isaac brought Rebecca into his mother Sarah's tent and she became his wife. He loved her deeply and she was a special comfort to him after the death of his mother. Y'all remember um, uh, Sarah had passed away at this point. We didn't read for um, chapter 23, but chapter 23 of Genesis tells us that Sarah passed away and how her burial went as far as Abraham finding a place, you know, to bury her. So Rebecca became a great comfort to Isaac um, in his grief. And so 
So yeah. So sometimes when God blesses us, it could look unorthodox. It could look not normal. It can look unusual. It can look out of the ordinary. But if God is speaking blessings, if God is releasing blessings, I would encourage you not to question what it looks like. Just receive. Amen. Just receive. All right. So that's chapter 24 of Genesis. Let me read some of the comments before I move forward. Thank God for his divine protection. My mom says, yes, sometimes you do. You modify the rules for those who are in your home. I'm not going to modify the rules very by like them nieces and them nephews who I know have been eating in them bedrooms. Yes, I'm calling you out. And yes, I'm telling you, don't come back to Auntie House eating or drinking in the bedrooms because Auntie got, Auntie, I'm going to be ready for that. Okay, I'm just saying. So yes, sometimes we modify the rules um, based on whatever. Um, and you have the option to do that because it's your house, you paying the bills and anybody who coming in ought to be able to follow the rules. And again, if they can't follow the rules and they need to leave, that's up to you. It's your house. They either need to leave or maybe they're not coming back. And and, and, and am, am I beyond telling family you can't come back to my house? No, I'm not. I'm not beyond that at all. Or don't come back to my house for three months, six months, whatever. I'm not beyond that. And y'all can say about that what you will, but you're not going to come up to my house doing what you want to do. It's just not going to happen. So, but sometimes, yes, we modify the rules. My Wanda said, people should respect and abide by the rules of your house and not get angry. I totally agree with that, and see, my niece and nephew think they slick, but what they've done is, um, the last time that both of them were here was at separate times, they left their packaging up in my room, and boy, if they would have still been here, I would have snatched them up. I'm telling you, tell them what I said. They can listen to this. They can listen to this video. Yes, Auntie said, if you would have still been here when I found those doggone packages back in them bedrooms, I would have snatched you up right then. But don't, don't, don't worry. Next time you come to Auntie's house, I'm gonna remind you. Don't you eat or drink in my room. Don't do that. Matter of fact, I'm gonna be coming. Well, no, I ain't gonna be micromanaging you. You just better not be in the room eating. And that's just and any any adults as well. That's is what it is. Yes, I'm a little, yes, I'm still salty. Yes, y'all hear the saltiness in my voice. Yes, I'm still salty that they were eating in the room and left. Didn't even have the dog on courtesy to clean up their dog on packages. It was disrespectful and I didn't appreciate it. But they were gone. And it was a couple of days later when I found the packages, but it's not gonna happen. I guarantee it's not gonna happen again. So, anywho, that's that's, you know, I'm, I'm, y'all pray, I'm gonna let that go. <laughs> it's not gonna happen again. All right, let me read the rest of the comments. These, these comments got me stirred. So this is a rule. So my, I want to say there's a rule in Japan and I think also in John, in China, this is a rule. I'm not sure which rule it is, but, um, I know now in some people's houses, I have been to people's houses like over the years where you got to take your shoes off at the door. Like you're not walking my carpet with shoes. You there's a place at the door for you to drop your shoes. And in some cases, people who um, have asked you to take off your shoes, they actually have other shoes waiting for you. Like they have house shoes, like slides 
or flip-flops or something like that. They have those shoes waiting for you that are acceptable in their house to walk around. Now, the first thing I do when I come in my house, I don't care how many packages I have in my hand. Well, for the most part, I don't care how many packages I have in my hand. The first thing that's coming off are my shoes. My shoes are the very first thing that come off. Not because you can't walk on my floor, because everybody who come in, you can walk on the floor with your shoes. It's no problem. But for me, I just want my feet out of shoes. Like I, if I could probably, if I could walk around the world without shoes, I would do that. Um, but that's just the first thing I want. I want them shoes off my feet. I want my feet free from shoes. So that's just for me. Okay. So whatever your rules are of your house, people who enter their in, you know, they should be able to abide by those rules. Um, and uh, my mom made a comment, you better pray for them when going for a sleep. And I know she meant sleepover. You don't know who else or what is going on in that house. I agree with that. Sometimes the unexpected loved ones invade something good and innocent. And that is so very true. You know, when you have your child going to a sleepover, you never know who else will is who who lives in that house or who else is going to be visiting that house. Y'all, I remember, um, I don't know if y'all have seen the movie Aretha. Um, starring Jennifer Hudson. It's a story of Aretha Franklin. So I watched it, um, I think in June, I think sometime last month I watched it and it was, it's really good. But her father, um, the pastor, <laughs> he had parties at his house. Um, I don't know if it was every Friday night, but he had parties often based on me watching the movie. And I, I don't know Aretha Franklin's life, you know. Um, I never did any research about her life, but according to the movie, he had, you know, he, he had um, parties at his house uh, like every Friday or, or most Fridays. And there were always people in the house. And so sometimes, you know, he would have Aretha to, to sing while they were there. Well, this one particular night, there was a man that entered her bedroom, yes, and, and, and and I'm going to say and raped her and, you know, she she became pregnant. And, you know, I don't know when in the, the pregnancy, like when her father found out about this. And I don't know why the man was still alive. I'm glad I don't have kids, y'all. God knew what he was doing when he made sure, you know. So you just have to be careful who comes in your house. But then you have to be careful when you send your children to somebody else's house. Like, I, I like you got to know that you know that you know who that person is. Ask questions. You know, I know that you can't regulate what goes on in somebody else's house. But at least pray over your child. Pray with them and prepare them. We like, like if somebody comes in this house during this sleepover and they make you uncomfortable, you get on your phone and you call me. I don't care if it's 10 o'clock. I don't care if it's 1 o'clock. I don't care if it's 3 o'clock in the morning. If you feel uncomfortable at any time, give me a call. Okay, y'all have heard me tell this story that when I was, I think I was in fourth grade, if I'm not mistaken, that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a I think, oh, it's getting late, y'all. I might not get to 25 and 26 tonight because it is getting late. Uh, but um, y'all remember me telling you this story. I was in, I was in fourth grade. I think I was in second grade. I was a little young. I think it was in second or third grade. And one of my friends, I think her name was Angela. And so she, me and her were good friends and she um, wanted me to come have a sleepover at her house. And we were, you know, stay the weekend, went on a Friday, spend the weekend or spend the, I think it was just Saturday, just Friday night until Saturday. And so she stayed with her dad. Her dad was a single dad and it was her and her brother. And so I remember my mom um, talking to her dad. I don't know how the conversation went, but 
whatever the conversation was, my mom felt comfortable enough for me to go to their house. They li literally lived less than maybe about seven or eight minutes from our house. Like we were, it was, this was the main, like this was the main street and we lived down one road. They lived down on the other, but it was maybe about seven or eight minutes. So this was a fairly long road. So she could get to me very quickly. And so, for you know, my mom discerned him, whatever, whatever the conversation was like, she felt comfortable. She let me stay. She did give me some some strategies <laughs> if something was to happen. But y'all, it was one of the most beautiful uh, weekends that I ever had with a friend. We uh, we slept over like she uh, there was a trailer. So we were in the back room in her room. Her little brother tried I think he tried to come in a couple of times, but we were in the back room. He let us eat in the room. Uh, we watched movies. We could have played some games. I don't remember that part. And so we slept over. Everything was fine. You know, the next day he took us to Wilmington and we went shopping and we went out to eat. Like we just had, it was just a beautiful, beautiful time. So I thank God for my mom and I thank God for her discernment because there has been um, predators that have come through our family and where my mom was able to discern, mm -mm, nope, 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 you're not going over there. <laughs> And I thank God for my mom's discernment. So again, pray for your kids, pray with them, and ask God to give you some discernment about the people who surround your kids. And so he treated me just like his daughter, like he treated me just like Andrew, just like I was part of the family. Um, and, you know, and we had a really good time. And it was, like I said, it's one of my favorite memories, one of my best memories from childhood, spending that birthday weekend with her, spending that, that um, and I think my mom actually took me to his house, but I think if I'm not mistaken, he dropped me off um, or either he brought me home. I don't know. I can't remember that part, but I, I feel like she took me and he dropped me off at the house. But anyway, it was a good experience. And thankfully that my mom had the discernment of the Lord and had the wisdom of the Lord to know that this dad would not harm me in any way. And he didn't, he did not harm me in any way. He treated me just like I was his daughter and son. Cause the son, of course, you know, he was a single dad. So, um, her brother came with us on Saturday when we went to Wilmington. And so I was just like a part of the family. And it was it was just a beautiful experience, and I thank God, you know, for that beautiful memory, for that beautiful experience. Um, I am going to. I think I. Uh, I am. I'm going to go ahead and read um, some of I don't think I'm going to get into chapter 26 because it's a little bit long, or maybe I will. Let's just see. Let's just keep going. Um, yes, I agree with my mom. She said, have some knowledge of the lifestyle of the family. I totally agree with that. Make sure y'all, excuse me, my, my phone is doing something a little different here. Um, yes, yes. Make sure that you have some knowledge of the lifestyle of the family. Like if they're a family who drinks and smokes, you know, have parties or whatever that may not be the best atmosphere for your child to be in. Um, even in some Christian homes, you got to be careful. Allow, you know, letting your children go to those homes. So just be discerning, hear from the Lord as it relates to your children. Okay, so chapter 25, verses 1 through 7, um, Abraham passes away. 
Uh, well, first of all, before Abraham passes away, Abraham marries again. He marries Keturah. So he marries Keturah. They have several sons, y'all. They have, uh, well, several, I'll say several children. They have Zimrad. They have Joshkin, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Um, were those were their children, and then it goes into his grandchildren that his children had. But Abraham gave everything he owned. Chapter twenty-five, verse five. Abraham gave everything he owned to his son Isaac because Isaac was a promised son, and so everything he owned he gave to Isaac. Verse six of chapter twenty-five, Genesis. But before he died, he gave he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them off to a land in the east away from Isaac. I love that Abraham sent them away because if Abraham had not sent them away, they could have harmed Isaac. They could have harmed him. They could have killed him in order to get the inheritance, in order to take from him what was rightfully his. So Abraham, in his wisdom, he sent his sons, his other sons away so that Abraham will be safe and protected to fulfill the promise that God had given to Abraham. Um, when we read verse 12 through 18, it gives us insight into Ishmael's descendants. So go ahead and read that on your own. Um, and then we get to chapter, excuse me, um, verse 19 of chapter 25. This is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the, Aram, the Aramean from Padam Aram, and the sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. She had two of them. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? She asked. Look, y'all know I don't have kids and I've never been pregnant. I, and I know that babies move, they kick their mom, they're doing different things as they're in their mama's um, uterus, um, which expands to the belly. But I could not imagine having two kids in my belly and they fight like they punching, fighting each other because I'm affected by that. <laughs> so she got her, her two twins in her stomach, like in her uterus, fighting each other. And I'm just like, what is going on? And, and so Rebecca asked God, like, God, what in the world is going on? What is these kids up in here doing? Like, what is happening? She wanted to know. So. I don't know if God answered Rebecca because we don't have the answer. <laughs> the Bible does not give us the answer. So we don't know what God said. We don't know if God, you know, eventually calmed the twins down. We don't know. But I, and we don't know if, if uh, Rebecca cursed Abraham, I mean, cursed Isaac up one side and down the other. We don't know because the Bible don't tell us. <laughs> Like I was barren, but you pray I'm pregnant and these boys up in here fighting each other. Anywho, y'all, that's look, that's my hip hop version take on that. 
So verse 24 says, and when the time came, uh, wait a minute, the Lord did answer her. Y'all forgive me. The Lord did answer her. I forgot. Y'all please forgive me. God, let me stop lying on the Lord. God did answer her. I forgot. God told her that the nations were inside of her and that's why they were warring. Y'all forgive me for that. Lord, forgive me for lying on you. The Lord did answer her. Verse 23, and the Lord told her, the son, I had to skip, I had to skip a couple of verses. I had to move, moved away from what the Lord said. Forgive me, Lord. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. Lord, I, you know what? I probably would have had a conversation with God. Like, God, why is two nations at odds? Like, why didn't you put two rivaling nations in my belly? But that's what God did. He's sovereign. He seeks after the counsel of his own will. He do what he want to do. So that's what God did. Verse 24. And the excuse me, and when the time came to give birth. Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins because, you know, they didn't have the obstetrician at that time. They didn't have uh, sonograms at that time. They couldn't go in, put the gel on the stomach, rub the little uh, wand across the stomach and see heartbeats and see how many babies. So she knew indeed she had twins because two of them jokers came out of her. Well, y'all know what I mean. Verse 25, the first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau. Then the other twin was born with his hand. <laughs> his hand gripping on Esau's heel. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know why that's tickling me now, but that's tickling me real good. The baby Lord, the baby is coming out fighting, y'all. The babies is coming out the womb fighting each other. He holding like you ain't gonna get out of this womb without me, I, uh, Esau. So Jacob is the second second baby. So they named him Jacob. Isaac was sixty years old when the twins were born. <laughs> Rebecca trying to give birth to the first son. Here come Jacob right along with him, holding on to his, Isaac. You ain't getting away from me, Isaac. I'm gonna win this fight. Now go and I'm gonna hold on to your heel until I do. <laughs> So anyway, the boys were birthed. The two nations that were warring inside of Rebecca are now birthed. Isaac came out hairy and red. And then we have uh, Jacob. And we understand that Jacob, you know, eventually, uh, excuse me, I, uh, Esau, excuse me, Esau. I think I said Isaac, Isaac the daddy. But Esau uh, would eventually, you know, uh, serve Jacob, which we'll find a little bit later in Genesis. So verse 27, as the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. He was a mama's boy, what we call a mama's boy. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home. But Rebecca loved Jacob. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home. So Jacob could cook, y'all. Yeah, you know, it ain't nothing wrong with having your husband cook the meals every now and again. 
or all the time if he enjoys cooking. So Jacob learned how to cook with his mama. So Jacob was cooking some stew. Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his old, his other name, Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as firstborn son. Excuse me, that's not what he said. He said, um, yeah, yes, he did. Yep, that was right. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first, you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all of his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. The firstborn was the one who received all the blessings, all of the inheritance. So Esau sold his inheritance. He sold his birthright. He sold his blessings for a bowl of stew. Don't let a tent, because he was hungry, he was exhausted, he was tired, he was hungry, he was famished. And so he's like, Lord, I need me a bowl of this stew. Forget this dog on birthright. I need some stew. Don't let your temporary situation cause you to make a lifelong or a lifetime decision. Don't let your temporary I love you cause you to marry a man or a woman God never intended you to marry. Don't let your fear or your loneliness cause you to get entangled in a relationship or a business deal that God never meant for you. Don't let your temporary situation cause you to make a lifetime commitment or a life time decision, a decision that will affect you over time. He sold his blessings, y'all. His his temporary situation caused him to sell his birthright. And then verse 14 says he showed contempt. After he sold that birthright, after he got full, then he was like, what the heck did I do? Did I really just sell my birthright for a bowl of stew? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And as we will learn, as we continue to read Genesis, Jacob, as, as God spoke to, to, um, to Rebecca about your older will serve the younger. That's exactly what happened. And we'll see that Abraham, um, excuse me, not Abraham, but Isaac blesses Jacob and um, gives him the birthright. So yeah, we'll, we'll read that a little bit later. I think I'm going to stop right there. Um, Genesis chapter 26, um, actually, let me go ahead. We got a little bit of time. We got a little bit of time. I'm not going to read all of Genesis chapter 26, but I do want to pull out some highlights that are familiar. So uh, verse, uh, verse one of chapter 26, a severe famine now struck the land as had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar where Abimelech 
king of the Philistines. Y'all remember King Abimelech um, when Abraham was um, uh, back in chapter 20, um, Abraham met up with Abimelech. And so anyway, um, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you, live here as a foreigner in this land and I will bless with and I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all these lands, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. So Isaac followed, so God's promise to Abraham trickle down to Isaac. That's a generational blessing. When God speaks a promise to uh, to a patriarch, the patriarch of the family, which is the, the grandfather of the male, or the matriarch of the family, which is the grandfather or the mother, whichever way it happens, you know, whoever's in, in charge of the family. Um, when God speaks a blessings, blessing to them, that blessing can trickle down from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. All right? So not mistaken, it's two different Abimelechs. Um, I'll have to do some more research and maybe let you know at a later time, or either I'll put it in the comment section, okay? So guess what happens? Let me read it and let you let you hear what the Bible says for yourself. Verse 7, when the men who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebecca, he said, she is my sister. Now, if she, if he would have said she's my cousin, that would have been right. But instead, he says she is my sister. He was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought they will kill me to get her because she is so beautiful. Just like his daddy, when Abraham told the first Abimelech, "This is my wife," and just like he told the Pharaoh before that, "I'm in Egypt. This is my wife." Instead of well. He told a half-truth. He said, this is my sister, which was right. They were half-brother and half-sister, so that was right. But wife trumps sister. She's your wife, you know? And so this generational curse of lying about the spousal, about the uh, state of your marriage, um, that was a generational curse. So generational curses can follow line to line and so, until somebody breaks that generational curse, okay? So he tells Abimelech, excuse me, he tells the men, Rebecca is my wife. And of course he gets found out because what's done in the dark is going to come to the light, is going to come out in the wash. So verse nine, excuse me, let me read verse eight. But sometime later, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out his window and saw Isaac caressing Rebecca. Verse nine, immediately Abimelech called her called for Isaac and exclaimed, she is obviously your wife because you don't be touching your sister like that. The Bible don't say that. I just threw that part in. Um, uh, why did you say she is my sister? Verse 10, how could you do this to, oh, excuse me, uh, verse, the, the second part of verse nine, because I was afraid someone would kill me to get to her. Excuse me, let me read that again. Because I was afraid someone would kill me to get her from me, Isaac replied. 
How could you do this to us? Abimelech explained, exclaimed. One of my people might easily have taken your wife and slept with her, and you would have made us guilty of great sin. Then Abimelech issued a public proclamation. Anyone who touches this man or his wife will be put to death. So just like the first Abimelech blessed Abraham, and showed Abraham favor, this Abimelech is doing the same thing with his son Isaac. He is speaking a blessing over them by saying, y'all don't be messing with Abraham. Don't mess with Isaac. Don't mess with his wife, or you're going to have to deal with me. And dealing with me means you about to die. And I think, y'all, I think I'm going to stop right there. I'm not even going to get into the water rights and all that. I'm just going to stop right there. But I want you to just finish reading chapter 26 on your own. It talks about the water rights because, you know, water was just as much needed in biblical times as it is today. There was some... Um, I'm not going to say it was conflict, but Abraham, but Isaac, I keep saying Abraham, but Isaac's, Isaac's flock grew, his household grew. And so with the growth, he needed to use more land. And eventually um, he chose a different part of the valley that they were living in. And he lived separate from Abimelech and his people. Um, because sometimes y'all, when God expands us, when God grows us, when the promises of God are made manifest in our life, sometimes we outgrow things. In this case, um, Isaac outgrew the space, the area, the land that he was in. Sometimes y'all, we outgrow friends. Sometimes we outgrow our job. Sometimes we outgrow our house. We need a bigger house. Our family is growing. So sometimes when God elevates us, when God blesses us, we outgrow certain things in our life. So don't get stuck, y'all. If God is saying that it's time to end a friendship or it's time to end a romantic relationship, like a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, not, not talking about marriage, but boyfriend-girl relationship. You've outgrown this boyfriend. You've outgrown this girlfriend. It's time for you to move on. When God is giving you directions to move on, I would encourage you to move on. Okay, because there are there is greater that awaits you. All right, even and speaking of talking about marriage, if you are in a marriage that that is not a not a God ordained marriage, like an abusive relationship or whatever, anything that is unhealthy for you, and God gives you permission to leave that marriage, follow God, follow God's guidance, follow God's direction. Okay. All right, sometimes we outgrow people, we outgrow things. So be obedient to God. Ask God for guidance and God will give you guidance. He will give you strategy. He will give you direction. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to do two New Testaments in August. The Lord bless us to live to see it. I'm going to do two New Testaments in August. Okay. All right. I'm just reading the comments here. Talking and it takes Okay. I'm not sure what my mom went so, meant about with the table talk. So I'm going to move to the next. Uh, it is possible he is the same person. They lived for years and years during that area, that era. It is possible it's the same person. I would just have to do some research to determine if it was the same person. It is the same area. So it is in the Gev um, Valley. 
So it's the same area. So it's possible. I just can't guarantee that it's the same area. All right. Or excuse me, that it's the same Abimelech. So that's what I'll say Abraham's Abimelech and Isaac's Abimelech. Whether it's different or the same, um, that's just the way I'll classify it. Because again, I didn't do research to find out if he is the same or not. But they did. They lived hundreds and hundreds of years. The oldest man, the oldest person who lived in the Bible happened to be a man, according to the Bible. Now, it could have been a woman. The Bible didn't like the Bible didn't give us history of women um, like it did the men. But according to the Bible, the older per, oldest person living was Methuselah, and he was nine hundred and sixty nine years old when the Lord called him home. Nine hundred and sixty nine years old. So yes, in the Bible days, they lived hundreds of years. All right. So that is our Bible study for Genesis twenty four, twenty five, twenty six. Um, and next first Thursday and second Thursday, we will get into our New Testament Bible study teaching. All right. All right. So I want to invite you to the Pocky Book Exchange Fellowship. It is October 5th through the 8th of this year, October 5th, 6th, and 7th. We will have nightly services at 7 p.m. right here on the Stephanie Humphrey channel. You don't want to miss it. I will be bringing forth a word from our theme, from surviving to thriving, from surviving to thriving. Every single one of my sermons will focus on from surviving to thriving. And then on Saturday, October 8th, we are going to have an in-person ladies-only session um, that will feature our breakout sessions, and then our whole group sessions. So our session one includes two workshops. You have to choose one workshop though, but the two workshops that will be offered in session one are Thriving in My Relationships, Family, Friends, and Coworkers, Oh My. And the second workshop is Thriving as a Business Owner. I got this. So you get to choose one of those workshops for session one. So session two features... Thriving as a godly woman. Sometimes I feel like it and sometimes I don't. And then the second workshop is Thriving in My Finances. Let me get this money right. So you get to choose one of those two workshops for session two. And then session three is a whole group. So we'll all be back together in the main room for our third session. And it is entitled Thriving in My Mind and my emotions, learning to balance me. Registration for the Pocketbook Exchange Fellowship is absolutely free, but you must register. There is limited space in two of the workshops. There's one workshop in session one, one workshop in session two where there is limited space. So I need you to register as soon as possible so that you can get your chosen workshop, okay? Go to my website at BeFreeMinistriesNC.org. Click on the tab that says Pocketbook Exchange, and you will get all the information that you need about the Pocketbook Exchange. The dates, there's a link to the Stephanie Humphrey channel right now that we're on. There is information about the schedule for October 8th. There's information about the, um, there's registration information, and there's information about the Pocketbook Exchange. So not only do we receive the word of God during the Pocketbook Exchange, but we also exchange new 
purses. Exchanging purses is absolutely optional. You do not have to bring a new purse, but if you do, you must put in at least seven items that are listed on the website under, I think I put it under purse exchange, put at least seven items from the list in the purse um, so that you can participate. And I'm going to be very, very, and y'all might call me petty, but I'm going to be, be very particular about how purses are given out during the pocketbook exchange. If you give an empty purse, you're going to get that empty purse back. I'm going to just say how I feel. it. It's just going to be what it's going to be. I, uh, th that's how I'm going to do it. If your purse is heavy, you're not going to get a purse that's light. It's going to be an even exchange of purses. Let me just tell you how it's going to be. That's just how it's going to be. If you don't like that, it's okay. You don't have to participate, but I'm just telling you that's how Minister Humphrey is going to do the pocketbook exchange. So if you look under the pocketbook exchange tab where it says purse exchange items, you'll see the guidelines for exchanging purses. Bring a new purse, a brand new purse. It does not have to be name brand. Work your budget. It's all good but bring a new purse and put those items in it. Also put a scripture in the purse so that you can provide encouragement and inspiration to the woman who will receive it. Amen. Amen. I'm so excited about the pocketbook exchange. I'm so excited about the in-person fellowship. We will be following safety guidelines. I actually need to put that on the website now that I'm saying it. We will be following safety protocols. I will encourage you to wear your mask. I don't think I'm going to require your mask, but I am going to be encouraging people to wear your mask. I may have some masks available. I will have some sanitizer there. I want us to be safe as we are gathering, okay? Um, anything else I want to say about that? No, except that you're welcome to come. It, everyone is welcome for our nightly sessions, ladies only on Saturday. We also will be going to a restaurant at um, after the Parking Book Exchange Fellowship itself is over. We'll fellowship at a restaurant. That information is also on the website. Please bring your own money. Please bring your own money. Please bring your own money to eat at the restaurant, okay? All right, just maybe I'll add that to the website too. I just want that to be very clear. If you need some support, then let me know in advance and we will see how we can support you. Other than that, registration is free. So you'll just be paying for yourself to eat if you choose to have lunch with us. I also will be taking up an offering at the Pocketbook Exchange only for the speakers to support them. Be Free Ministries will not be keeping any money, okay? I just want you to come. I want you to have a good time fellowshipping with other women, loving on other women, encouraging other women, and you receiving encouragement for yourself. Everyone is welcome for the nightly sessions, women only. All women are welcome to join us on Saturday. It does not matter your faith, your denomination, your culture. Every woman, all Asian women, all black women, all white women, all Latino women, everybody is welcome to attend the pocketbook exchange. Okay. All right. So look now, if all hearts and minds are clear, let me just make sure there's no additional comments in the chat. Yep, there are no additional comments in the chat that I'll read. You can actually read the live chat later for yourself. But if nobody has told you that they love you, 
I love you. We at Be Free Ministries, we love you. This is Be Free Ministries signing off. In addition to going live on my YouTube channel at 6.30 p.m. on Thursdays, I also go live at 10 p.m. on my podcasting channels, including Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Blessings. Thank you.